today. Um, last weekend, over a long weekend, my beautiful wife, Delisa, and myself went to Tulsa, Oklahoma to see those grandkids. Woo! She had, uh, uh, my wife had a couple of days off from fall break as a teacher, so we um, went to Oklahoma. Judah's three and a half, Ileana's two and a half. Just love seeing them change and grow and develop and a little bit more language skills happening there to, to chit-chat a little bit more. And also now uh, the famous why question is starting to happen. And, uh, but it, it was just, it's just so, so rejuvenating. Thank you uh, uh, for your prayers for all that. So that was just so much fun. I am busting with vision for Living Waters Church. I've been not here nine years and I, I just love this, that God is stirring in me and fueling in me vision for Living Waters Church. Uh, last year this happened, this year, and this year is happening as well, that we're really going to be teaching on vision, biblical foundations for the vision. Uh, it's going to uh, start today, uh, get into uh, the next few weeks on dream team, ministry teams of Living Waters, rejuvenating those. Uh, we have... Later in, in, the, in the year here, soon after that, uh, teaching on finances, both the stewardship side and the giving side. We haven't done that in about three plus, I think it's over three years. And, uh, and then we're really going to, uh, th- th- we'll have the Christmas season, and then we're really going to throw out the core of the vision in January. And so you'll hear bits and pieces of it. I'll, you'll get a flavor of it as we get there. But all of this is building toward vision. I've, you know, continued to look at the book of Matthew and say, Lord, there's so much uh, here, Matthew 21 on, and, uh, and I'm just going to pray about it again in, in 2023. Lord, do you mean get back in Matthew or not? You know, that's, it's been two years I've been in Matthew, and, uh, and I'm, that's a lot longer than I thought, and I'll just keep praying and say, God, do you want us to return? Uh, it, I've, I've grown to love Matthew as one of my favorite gospels, even though John still inches it out a little bit. Um, so I am uh, really excited because God is going to really clarify the purposes of the church. And I, hope, I believe will re-motivate you to the ministry that God has called you and us together. Like I said, Dream Team is really our ministry teams. We're going to be relaunching those, but also there is going to be a, a love from God, the Lord of the harvest, for his harvest, more than ever, than, than I've been here. I believe God, this is the time, and I'm really excited about this. So today, I, I really dropped back and went even more basic than some of that, and I said, you know, why Sunday morning? Why this gathering uh, on the weekend? What is the purpose of this assembling together? You know, what's the big deal about corporate gathering? The word corporate just means we're all coming together. We're, we're you know, from, from all the parts and pieces are coming together as one corporate gathering. Why participate in a corporate worship service? And, the, and that key word there is participate in it. Because it's possible to come in to a, even a, a smaller church like us, around uh, a little over 100 people has been what we've been averaging lately. And you can come in the front doors and, and you can have, you know, the mentality, okay, you know, I don't know anybody, I really don't, I'm just going to find my seat and, I, and then get your seat and then it's over and I'm, 
you know, I really don't know really what's, you know, who to talk to, and I'm really, and I'm just going to, and you, and that can happen at a hundred and uh, 20 people or 1,000, 200 people or 10. It doesn't really matter the size of the church. Your approach to Sunday morning can, you, you can have a participatory approach or just sit back and watch and be a spectator approach. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is a participation sport. And I want to encourage you to think differently. You think of, oh, who can I talk to this morning? Maybe God wants me to encourage somebody. Who, I, oh, I've got to check out my friend and their prayer need over here. Oh, oh, the worship's gone. Oh, I can't miss worship. Let me run to my seats. Make the pastor happy. Because we are coming together for corporate worship. And uh, then you can keep doing that fellowship after church in, the, in this wonderful gathering place that we have. But I, I, I really wasn't going to go here today, but as many of us do, uh, you know, listen to preachers online. I was, in one of, was uh, listening to one of my favorites, Robert Morse. And he did this teaching, what he called, uh, his title was, Why Start Going to Church? And what they did a study, and this is from a couple years ago, even before the pandemic, and what he found in their, and they did a study in their church, they were reaching like 31,000 people was in Sunday morning attendance. Incredible. That's multiple camp- campuses and, ne- and networking, churches networked and so forth. But he said, we did a study and found that over twice that much, about 72,000 people, um, if you include that 31, it, but there were, if you included people that came to church once on a Sunday morning a month, or maybe one of their equipping courses once a month, it would, they were reaching 72,000 people. And so his motivation was giving this message was, listen, once a month is really not letting this local church ministry impact your life. You're really not participating if you're just going, you're doing something once a month in our ministries and our gatherings. Uh, looking at some studies uh, since the pandemic happened uh, and, and, you know, reading some other articles and so forth, that 20% of churchgoers before the pandemic have now dropped out of attending church services. That what happened was lifestyles changed and you just didn't need it. You know, you were doing it online and so... 20% have just decided, I really don't need to do that. I don't want to. I've got, you know, and have adjusted and changed their lifestyle. So 20% uh, are not attending. And that's, you know, in most, in many churches, including uh, in, in comments I've heard from leadership there at Robert Morris's church called Gateway. And then on top of the 20%, there are people that are coming now that make a hybrid decision where they do both online and in person. And so they call it a hybrid kind of approach to attendance. And so that also brings uh, our, you know, the attendance down overall. Even though we might still have the same number of people who are members of the church, but the attendance is lower. And I feel like that is what's happened at Living Waters as well. We're not, we're not uh, uh, you know... This is, we're part of these trends. We're seeing these same trends at Living Waters. 
And so I feel like before we go into ministry teams and finding your callings and purposes and ministry and, and in the harvest and discipleship, and et cetera, we've got to get a, you know, a step one, a foundational, what is the purpose of the Sunday morning gathering? Let's go to the word on this. Let's see what God's doing in the earth and jump in on this. I am so grateful that uh, we do have quality online uh, services on YouTube and live on Facebook. Uh, it was a, a real chore investment. It was difficult. Uh, Philip Whitehead, along with Tim Gillum, particularly put the hours in the study to make it. It took several years, maybe, you know, three, four years to get it up to where it is today. And God is using it in various ways. And I'm, I'm praying God's going to use it more. And that social media, we haven't really touched the surface how we can engage with people, both you, your friends, and seekers through social media and online. There's no, there's no reason to slow down developing all of that online. And so it is a tool for spreading God's kingdom. And we definitely want to keep that going uh, here at Living Waters Church. One thing that you need to be aware of that online services and the social, social media serves is for the guests and vi visitors. I've been there, done that in Philadelphia. We were transitioning our ministry time. We ended up uh, doing Sunday morning church for the last couple of years uh, uh, from our house church over to a larger church. We visited a bunch of churches, always went online to check the website out, certain doctrinal things or things they emphasized their vision and so forth. Always looked online. Since the pandemic, it's up to notch. Now people want to watch a service before they come in person. And I've had it experienced it both ways out in the community. I had a, a young family saying, yeah, we were, we've been looking at churches. And, I, and he said, you know, we watched you online. And he didn't come. I was like, bum. <laughs> I've heard other people who start coming and say, you know, when you said in your message last month, when you said this in one of your messages, and they're recalling things that I said in messages because, why? They listened first and watched first before they came. So I say all that say, our hospitality ministry, from the moment someone, uh, you know, steps out of their car and comes into the front door is so critical, but probably 99% chance they've already looked on our website, listened to a message or two before they even shook your hand in the front lobby. And so it serves as the front door of the church, our social media, our online services, what we do uh, with the website, and that is really critical because God has divine appointments with us and new people. He is the Lord of the harvest. His heart beats for new people that, see all this space you have next to you? Put your hand on the empty chair right now. Lord God, fill this chair with one of those on your heart right now that needs salvation, that needs deliverance, needs healing, is not free, is clouded by deception. Lord God, fill this empty, these empty chairs right here because you have a heart for people, and we want to have your heart. So I'm going to give you three kind of overall general reasons. Of course, we could go to 10, 20, 30 reasons 
why to participate in a weekend worship service. I'm going to hit three general ones, general ones that will cover most of uh, most of those. And I'm going to go ahead and give them to you right now. I'm not going to uh, hide them out. I'm just going to let you know what they are. Three P's. Number one, the presence of God. Number two, uh, the protective covering of God. And I'm going to go into definition. What do you mean by this word covering? And then number three, the people of God. So let's start in there uh, with the presence of God. We really have got to go back to when God uh, brought his people together. What did he do first gathering the Hebrews in their assemblies? Well, if you remember, uh, they were set free from Egypt uh, and ended up wandering the desert for uh, 40 years, unfortunately, because of their disobedience. And uh, for 40 years, the presence of God guided them and led them. By day, it was a cloud, and they would follow this cloud when it moved. They would move the camp with that when at night they had a, a fire beam of light of the presence of God. Uh, when Moses, uh, uh, God's chosen leader, would go into the tent of meeting to worship, it was close to, could have grown to be two, two million plus people uh, over time. They can't fit in one tent where the, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle, you know, the, the tabernacle of the tent of the of a meeting was, right? So the people would gather by coming out of their own tents, get by their, their, their open door, look at uh, the fire at night or the cloud of the day, and they see Moses go into the tent, and this cloud would then descend down onto the tent. And then they would worship God. And so the presence of God is a foundational purpose for the gathering of the believers. It's been that way from the beginning. And it was a rough road uh, for, for Moses and the Hebrews. He was up there on the mountain for many days uh, listening and, and receiving from God the, the commandments. He comes down and they had uh, made a golden calf of worship. So now it was like, this is it. You, you were afraid to go in the promised land and, and you, you looked at yourself like grasshoppers. Uh, I judge you, you're going to have to walk around for 40. Now you're, you're doing this golden calf thing. I'm done, Moses. I'm going to destroy all of them and then start afresh with you and your family. Moses went instantly into intercession. Everybody say, thank God for Moses because he went into prayer and asking for mercy that, what is the world going to think? That here you're our God and we're your people and you're faithful to us and now you destroyed all of us out in this desert. Please have mercy on us. And so sure enough, it even says this phrase in the story, God changed his mind. And he said, uh, this is, I'm going to go to Exodus 33. Exodus 33, starting at verse 14. And God said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. What God had said in, in this conversation, he said, Okay, I, will, I won't destroy uh, all the Hebrews. I'm, I'm going to send an angel with you. And then, and then Moses, being the discerning, caught that. And said, and, and, and said, and, and insisted 
that if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Next verse, verse 16. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we and I and your people may be distinguished from all of the people who are upon the face of the earth? This is their distinctive, their, what distinguishes them from all other nations and groups of people, all other religions, is that the presence of God would be with them. Let's say that about living waters. Let's pray that, oh Father, let that be our distinctive, that the presence of God is our distinctive. That people can sense the presence of God, and I've heard it many times over the decades, over the 40 years, that even walking in the front doors, people sense something different. That there's something different about this place, these, this people. I want to show you that this uh, priority of the presence of God did not go away because we'll look at Second Chronicles chapter 5. This is the, the uh, story, the event when Solomon, who is the new king, uh, one of David, King David's son, is going to be the new king, and they're dedicating the finally a building, a place of worship to bring the Ark of the Covenant and to, to practice all the, 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 the uh, feasts and the, the ways of worship of sacrifices to honor God and remember God. Finally, they, this immaculate, incredible building and property was built. And to give you what's happening in, this, uh, in these chapters, Second Chronicles chapter 5, is they have all the singers, they have all the instruments and the trumpets and the cymbals. It was no small thing. It was a music uh, extravaganza of the best of the best uh, playing before God. It says when they were in unison playing and worshiping and singing, and they had gathered all of Israel. So the whole nation emptied out and went to Jerusalem, which is what they do for the feasts. Uh, and when they had this unity of worship with the instruments and praising at all the people there, it says uh, in Second Chronicles 5, I'm skipping over uh, to later on in the verse, it says, And then they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good for, he indeed is good for his love and kindness is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. So God, He blessed this massive assembly, this corporate gathering of worship and unity with the instruments and the worship and the songs. And he filled it with the cloud, his presence. It says in verse 14, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So physically, the presence of God was so heavy, they couldn't stand. So these well-dressed, perfectly dressed in all the policy garments, they, they were falling on the ground. They couldn't stand. God confirmed with His presence. It's so important for us. If you read more in, in, in this same instance, it's a, a Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, after Solomon prays a long prayer of dedication, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings. The glory filled the house, and, uh, and the priest couldn't enter into the house of the Lord because this thick presence of God just gave them such a calm and peace and weakened them and they couldn't in their own strength, and they ended up just laying their faces to the ground and worship God in this heavy, powerful presence. And that's something we want to remember, that when God's presence is there, His power is working. 
Lord, we want your presence in our gatherings at Living Waters, small gatherings, big gatherings, doesn't matter how big or small. Lord, you, we want your presence. We pray for miracles to happen before we ask for them, Lord. During the worship, during the, during the prayer times, the, the, the prayer times at the end, in the middle, when, it, when God opens that door. You know, what, what, what can it feel like? What are you saying, Stephen, the presence of God? What are you talking about? You know, what is that like? It can be many things. I'll just list a few. It can be a sensing on the inside, a knowing that sometimes people will say is down here deep. Uh, be still and know that I am God. You just know that everything's going to be all right. There's this peace that comes from a deep place. It can be more in the chest and the heart area. And just feel, it was heavy. Well, now it feels light. You just your chest feels light, and it's like, oh Lord, that's that's the Lord just loving on me and just giving me His peace and His presence. It can be in your emotions that your emotions are lifted and encouraged, and you're like, oh my depression and my despair and that. It's, it's leaving me. I'm during this worship and praise. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing His presence. My emotions are changing or being affected, and it be in your mind that these this dark thoughts of discouragement and hopelessness are changing, and your thoughts now are saying, "Yes, I have hope. Look at my God. Look how great He is. I have hope again." And your mind and your thoughts change. It can you can feel it in your body. Some people like to mention goosebumps or. Or, or a heaviness on you, or, or even an inside groaning where you feel like you have the heart of God in intercession and prayer, and you're, in a sense, have this something deep in you where you're interceding and praying for someone. It can be such a peace and calm, you just got to sit down because you really can't stand anymore. But whatever it is, we want people, you and me, and everyone that comes, God sends to experience the presence of God in some way, in some part of their being. Prayer is a part of it. Uh, Samuel, which, who was the, the first main prophet for Israel, 1 Samuel 7, 5, he was gathered all Israel uh, to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. They had just uh, had gotten the Ark of the Covenant back from being captured from the Philistines, and so he gathered all the people there and said, I want to pray for you. We've got the Ark back. And in, in these gatherings, we have blessings that we speak. We have prayer for one another. There's a specific anointing when we agree together in prayer that's different when you have your prayer time alone, though that's important as well. In this story, what happens next is the Philistines realize they're all gathered in one place. Let's go after them, and they attack them. They attack them. Uh, Solomon keeps praying and does offerings, and God gives them strength and power to have victory over the Philistines, even though they had great fear. Let me tell you, some, some of you will step out into a battle tomorrow, maybe tonight. And this time together in corporate worship and prayer is giving you strength. So when this, whatever that attack or temptation is, you are going to have faith and have victory in Jesus' name. Psalm 26, 8 says, O oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. See, in the new covenant, it's different, right? His spirit lives in each one of us. He makes each one of us a house of prayer. He makes each one of us a temple of worship. And every day, all day long, you are 
taking the presence of God with you. You are the church. You know, it was really a later modern day mindset that said, let's go to church, the building. Let's go to uh, and have church. And people think of a building on Route 60 with the sign out front. That's not a, a scriptural concept. Because you are the church, folks. We are the church. Every day you're the church. And so what happens is we need your glory, your anointing, your presence of God. We need you here so that our anointing during worship, our anointing to prayer is going to increase. And thank God for online and those that need to be online today or next Sunday, whatever. God, uses. join with us uh, in prayer. Don't just sit there. I know when I've watched online for Living Waters, I get in that comfortable couch. Oh my, so comfortable. And I'm sitting there and Julia's leading worship and she's standing up and she's singing a fast song. And I find myself, I'm just listening. Hey, this is a good song. I'm just sitting there, I'm relaxed. And I, oh, yeah, well, hold it now. I don't want to be a spectator. This is worship time. It's hard to worship and participate on the couch. For me, it was. Anybody else experience that? And then you start singing and you're like, it's like a solo and you're singing. You're looking at Hey, are y'all singing? I mean, we should we be, should be singing. I don't want to sing by myself. And so it's just a weird, it's kind of weird. And to participate in worship and in this, in prayer, and I, you know, there's no distance in prayer, right? So God can use your prayers. I want to tell you, it's not to the same degree, the participation of worship particularly. So when we were in uh Pennsylvania for 13 years were part of a network called Dove International. And their uh, distinctive on how they structured their ministries was in, they used the word cell-based church back in the day, and cell became kind of a weird word with all the terror cells out there. So they changed it to a small group-based church where you would meet people and, and they really felt the conviction their small group that met either every week or every other week was just as important as the Sunday morning gathering. That was their church family. That was a real thing. And so on Sunday morning, they didn't say, uh, let's all come to church, let's all go to church. No, because you were the church seven days a week. This was a Sunday uh, morning was a celebration service, they called it. That you come and to celebrate Jesus, our King of kings, our Lord of lords, and all that he's doing in our lives, come together. Let's have a celebration service. I love that attitude, that approach. That that's what it was all about. I want to go on to the number two, but one more verse. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. That this is Psalm 22, uh, verse 25. That there is a, a special um, anointing on praise when the assembly. There's a special anointing on giving uh, and giving together for God's purposes. And when he's leading directly, directing there's something special. Number two, what is the second purpose, Stephen, that you're bringing out? Why Sunday morning? Number two is a protective covering of God. Well, what do you mean by covering? Here's a simple definition that I wrote. It's protection, blessing, and guidance that comes from God through the spiritual, uh, through the spiritual under-shepherds in your life. And these are three important areas of your life. You want protection, blessing, and guidance from those spiritual under-shepherds. In the Bible, 
one term is under shepherds, one term, the main term is elders. But this idea of covering is just for the church, it's a spiritual authority that the elders carry and delegate to other pastoral staff and small group leaders and deacons and so forth who are under this spiritual leadership of the elders. But this idea of covering really applies to all of our life. Don't you love these big umbrellas? I don't like the little ones. I like the big ones. And it's like a sword, too. It feels like you got to do that every time you grab it. You just, I got to try that. But I was, early in my discipleship days, uh, I, I dedicated my life to the Lord in 18. And about a year later, I was in a discipleship uh, conference. And this is the illustration they gave to explain spiritual authority or spiritual covering. And really, it's true for any area of, of your life where there's authority. Because there's parental authority for those who still live at home and those who are under, whether it's 20 or 21, whatever age, your family releases them completely out of your parental authority. There's teacher authority in schools. With that classroom, that teacher has the authority. And if you're a student, then you're under their authority. You're, if you're, you have a coach, they're the authority. You're the player, and you're under their authority and in and, and that attitude of submission to honor uh, the authority. If you're at work, you have authority. You have a supervisor, you have a manager. And there is an authority there. And even there, even in secular environments, your authority can even give you protection, blessing, and guidance. Or you can have disrespect, dishonor. God will see it. They'll notice it after a while. And you won't receive the same protection, blessing, and guidance that you could have had even in the workplace. And so the idea of an umbrella was used as an illustration for me. I did open this earlier. There it is. That when you're under authority, under a covering, in the local church, a spiritual covering, led by the elders and then delegated to other leaders to make that happen, you're, you're being protected from the elements. And, and you, 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 stay, you stay dry from the elements. If not, you're going to get, in, in your half and half, you're going to get wet. You're going to get, uh, it's going to get nasty. You're going to, and the umbrella is that concept of this is where you want to be. This is the sweet spot. This is where blessings flow, guidance flows, and protection is under authority. And so that Sunday morning gathering where the leaders are present and the delegated leaders are present, then that ministry of protection and guidance and um, uh, blessing can happen. It, it's harder for it to happen if you're online or if you're not here at all and in, in including yourself in any way. So in the New Testament, the early church, this is how it operated. Paul and his Apostle Paul, he is ministering, um, starting new churches in, in his team and they were moving around several cities here in Acts chapter 14. And then so they're going to finally lead this kind of area, region of cities. And verse 23, it says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. That's what they did before they left that region. That was their practice. We need to appoint elders that through prayer we believe is set by God. These are going to be the spiritual covering for those new local churches. Titus 1.5, we see it again. For this reason, 
Paul says, I left you in Crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. And so he wanted in every local church, in each one of those cities, a group of uh, God-appointed, set-apart elders for that flock, for those new believers. You might ask, well, what, what does an elder do, Stephen? Well, let's look at one of those passages that describes it. First Peter chapter 5. You know, First Peter was one of the apostles, one of the twelve with Jesus. But in this passage, he calls himself an elder. I'm a fellow elder with you as he's writing this letter in 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 1 says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. According to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. I want to stop there because uh, there's a couple of key words that are repeated later in, uh, in another place in Acts 20. Paul is talking. And there's two words that both Paul and Peter use. Here, it's shepherd the flock of God. Elders carry the ministry of the under-shepherd to the people of God. Uh, shepherd and the word pastors often uh, similar in Scripture. And so that is a function. And you know, shepherd with the sheep, and of course they knew because they saw sheep every day. I mean, they would feed the sheep by where they took them. They would guard and protect the sheep. They would guide them and they would, that, they would bless them. The sheep could not, if you got alone and, and that, that sheep got out of the fold, then they were open for attack from wolves and from other animals. And that loner mentality is not anywhere in the Scriptures for a uh, for the flock of God. So there's two words, being an under-shepherd, and then it says exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. Oversight, in the Acts 20, Paul used the word, just used the word overseer. That's one of the names, the functions of an elder. It's to oversee the spiritual direction of the church, the discipleship ministries of the church, to oversee that. In fact, it even says in another place, uh, in Hebrews 13, that we give account to God for these ministries of oversight for you. It's no small thing in the sight of God. And so, I, I'm just going to throw out an example here. A real life example. I hear two things, uh, you know, one thing pretty common uh, and, and this is just out there right now, particularly because of the pandemic, is, well, you know, I really don't go to a church because I just, I just choose what I want to listen to online. And folks, I listen to a lot of preachers online. I actually enjoy mowing the grass now because my wife bought me one of those noise-counseling headphones, really cool ones that really work, and that loud rock of riding a lawnmower, I can listen to my favorite preachers while I mow. I don't gripe and complain about it anymore. So I'm into that. However, when someone says, I'm getting all the teaching that I need, and you get to choose what you listen to. And now, Stephen Riley, I know this is weird. It's kind of weird for me. But I'm being compared to Robert Morris and the best preachers on the planet. You see, that is what... That's what 
What a gift that we could go to YouTube, do search engines and the topics and scriptures. I mean, I, I, I just love it. But yet, it can mess up your relationship with the flock of God. Because you think the teaching you're getting, which is filling your mind with good things, but it's not doesn't have the oversight direction of the spiritual elders in your life. This is someone you chose. The elders are who God chooses over the flock. And... And in, in, in looking at Acts 20, verse 27, I don't want to go through the whole passage. It has so many good things about elders in it. But he said, For I did not shrink, this is Paul, who's now going to be going uh, to Rome, and, and, and he knows he's going to probably die. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. So I'm accountable to God what we teach and preach and lead here because I am, I'm accountable to give you the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God, and that you're discipled in a way that is balanced and right and includes all areas. But when you search, in me, search for things online, we just get to choose our little favorite subjects. You see what I'm saying? You get to choose, and you might be missing something, and that is another way that you're protected and you receive guidance from the elders. This is this new phenomenon, folks. The church has never had these type of dilemmas and issues affecting this. This is all new. We're just trying to figure this out, aren't we? God wants to use the Internet more and more. It is a tool of God to spread His kingdom. Yet there are some subtleties in there that can uh, actually break down your trust and your relationship with the leadership of the church because you're looking at getting teachings or get whatever. Here's another one that I heard. I am, uh, 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 this, is, this is a couple that, that I, I knew back in the 90s, and they a strong couple, and I believe are perhaps following the Lord for now, but they said, you know, we're not going to church right now. Uh, we're listening to the prophetic voices. And so they're going online and choosing the different, they're into prophecy, and they're, so this could be a, the right transition time that they need at home before the Lord. But my concern as an elder and understanding that we all need the whole purpose of God from God's Word, if they're just choosing one stream of God's uh, Holy Spirit ministry and not the, uh, the, the teaching stream and the evangelistic stream and the, uh, the pastor stream and the apostolic stream, they could be missing on blessings, guidance, and protection that they need if this is a long-term decision. People go through transitions, and they need to follow God and obey the Lord in that. But I'm just giving a caution out there for this mentality of just doing your own thing on the long, on the long term. I want to go to my third point, why... Sunday morning. Yes, we have the presence of God that's unique when we have corporate prayer, praise and worship together. We have protective covering of God from uh, connecting with the elders and the leaders of the body, but the people of God is another one. Because you and I often pray, and this prayer is right, but let's realize it doesn't include the whole counsel of God. All I need is the Lord. All I need is the Holy Spirit. All I need, and, and I pray that for myself, that my trust, that my hope is set on God and God alone. At the same time, if that is turning into, I don't need people, uh, I'm good by myself, then you're missing, you're missing uh, 
the whole counsel of God. God put the family of God, the body of Christ together for a reason. And one of the reasons is, is because he wants to what? He wants to bless you with this presence of God that comes from corporate praise and corporate worship and prayer. He wants to bless you with protection and guidance from the elders through participating in ministries that the overseeing elders have put in the church. He wants to bless you with these things. And we say, well, no, no, all I need is God. And hey, it feels that way too when we're in our devotions and we're in a time of worship or we get a revelation from God and God's word. You're like, hey, I really don't need anybody. I just need God. Well, if we really walk that out, we are one of those sheep away from the protection of the shepherds. And that is an unsafe to believe, to place to be in the long term. I want to end with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come up. Oh man, what a scripture. And we hear it uh, so often. Uh, it's weird to me that again, after this pandemic, what's happened happening in the body of Christ, uh, it, particularly in the Western world with access to all the online uh, uh, availabilities and things, how this is affecting the church. This scripture is like, was written for today. Uh, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So, right there, excuse me, right there, there is a way for us to be stirred up stimulated for love and good deeds. I tell you, when I'm around Dolores Mitchell and she shares one of her scriptures that God has given her for the morning, she's probably texted one like it that morning, and she reads, I am stirred up for love. She's got that mercy gift. That's one of her gifts. So it just comes out of her a lot, and the scripture she uses, it just stirs up love. Uh, when I'm around a Brandon Watkins, and he has a heart for evangelism, and he, he is talking and he's thinking, I get stirred up for more evangelism. When I'm with uh, Philip Whitehead, and he's uh, talking about a scripture, and like he taught last Sunday, wasn't that deep teaching, wasn't that quality in the word teaching, I get that ministry of the teacher, that heart for the word of God comes out. I've been at, over at Gary and Ann's house several times, and one thing, I sense the presence of God when we pray together. He is a man of private, intimate prayer with God. This stirs me up. Being around people stirs us up, folks. So yes, all we need is God, but God is often says, I'm going to get to you through people, though. So don't, please don't uh, uh, forget about the... the um, uh, you know, the channels that God wants to use. Next verse, verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it's funny they use as the habit of some, because you know what? It's really a lifestyle, a weekly lifestyle you put a priority on and make it consistent in your lifestyle. That, okay, Sunday morning, 
or if it's a church that does Saturday night or whatever, weekends, Sunday morning, this is what we do. The Riley family, this is what we do. And then we have whatever it is during the week, that small group or that youth group, whatever it is, that happens, that's happened during the week. And you just have a lifestyle, a pattern, a habit of doing this. This is good teaching for our children. They need to grow up with this lifestyle pattern. They don't ask, oh, we're going to church, son. You know, we're in town. We're going to church. I know, but mom, you're really tired. Uh, Dad, you had a hard week. I know. But see, if you, if you stay consistent, they'll have those same habits and lifestyle pattern. When they go off to college, they'll be more likely. It's their choice. They're a young adult. They're accountable for God. You can't force it. You can't make it. God won't make them force it either. It's their own choice before God. But they would either have it already in their lifestyle and their habit, or they won't. And if they have to, uh, if, if you're, you know, inconsistent and halfway with this or that, whatever it is that you're trying to teach them during the chill, little years and growing up in teen years, whatever it is you're trying to teach them, if you're inconsistent, they'll be inconsistent or that much more. It's just the way it translates to the next generation. Jesus Christ loves us so much. And He designed the body of Christ, His church in a way to give you guidance, protection, and blessings to the the maximum amount, the 30, 60, 100 fold, not hit or miss, not occasionally. God has His presence. He wants you to experience on a, a consistent basis and that's part of why we come together. And He's, I just want to say right now, you and I are divinely appointed to know each other. This is ordained of God that we're in the same family together. This isn't, a, you know, unhappenstance. This, this is God's will that we are in the same body together. These relationships that we have are important to God. He has, he has arranged it for this to happen right here and so when we walk in unity of vision walk in unity of prayer and worship of God God blesses that he loves unity I'm going to let um, Julie go ahead and just start off I just just want to wait on the Lord some more I I just felt the Lord's love for he does this because he loves us he's designed this because he loves us. And he knew that there would be many forsaking this assembly together in 2022 and 2023. But he knew that, hey, you still need encouragement. You need to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Lord, Thank you for your Holy Spirit that encourages us, edifies us, builds us up. Help us now take that, what we receive from you, and encourage one another. That this, this week is a week of your presence. This week is a week of revelation 
from your word. This week is a week of blessing in our relationships and everywhere you take us, Lord. We are encouraged that you have divinely connected us and therefore, Lord, you have blessings to flow through us during this week and into next week. Lord, we say yes to the body of Christ. We say yes to the family of God that you've placed us in. We want to honor you in that. Let's just stay uh, all ears open to the Lord. What is God saying to you? What is he speaking to you? Go ahead and lead us in this last song.